This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill, Aaron Goldsmith here. Aaron, it's great to see you. I am seeing you too on video. Although this is a podcast, I am seeing you. I think it's helpful to see one another, don't you? I I do. I mean, as we've mentioned before, we're used to seeing each other every day, 14 or so hours a day at a time, and now it's never, ever. Now it's so much better, really. <laughs> For me, just, yes. I would describe I would describe it as relief, actually. Oh, yeah. Which is strange, because you wouldn't consider this time in society to be coined as relief, but... Uh-huh. When you look at look at it from the lens of our relationship, then right. yes, it's great. It's actually tremendous. Time relief. apart, yeah. Whew. Yeah, my goodness. Heart fonder, growing, you know, all that good stuff. Uh-huh. That's right. So we have a uh, we have a lot to get to on the podcast. The first thing, though, which I know you'll be into, because this is really cool, and I love this story. So tonight on Classics, we are playing the very first game in Mariners history. So Dave Niehaus and Ken Wilson calling the Mariners and the Angels, which is, I hope everyone really enjoys it because it's it's really fun to listen back to. I mean, it's the first, you know, in the beautiful kingdom. It's the first game in history. Almost better than that, though, is how this game is being played on the radio, how we ended up with this audio. The story is amazing. You would think, Aaron, that there wouldn't be a story behind it. You know, the station would record it. Mariners would have a copy. But that's not the case. This game was missing forever, which is wild. Which, I don't know. You know, it's hard to transport yourself back, <laughs> like, decades and decades and decades, in this case, to 1977. Uh-huh. But you would think, that, like, even in the late 70s, that logic would still reign supreme. Like, technology is different. Totally get it. Totally get the techno- technological standpoint. Like, you know— 50 years from now, they're going to look back at the way we record games and they're going to laugh, yeah, right? Right. But you you play the cards that you're dealt, and you would have thought that in 1977, the maiden voyage, if you will, yes. would have been recorded and saved. And I'll never, I'll never not be amazed that it wasn't. Yeah, so— we're going to start this podcast, a conversation I had with Neil Scott, who's been broadcasting forever in this region. Great guy at KJR. And if it was for Neil Scott, we would not be listening to this game tonight. We would not have audio of the first game, which I find amazing. And so here's Neil Scott telling the story about how we are all going to listen to this game tonight. The very first broadcast in Seattle Mariners history. We have Neil Scott to thank. You know Neil Scott. He's been around for a long time in the Seattle area doing great work. Uh, National radio with Fox Sports, of course, at KGR. Neil, thanks so much for the time. We certainly appreciate it. And thank you so much for this wonderful recording. Glad to be able to give that to you, Gary. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to do. How did, I mean, no, this didn't exist. The station didn't have it. Uh, the Mariners didn't have it. It did not exist. 
How did you save the day with the first broadcast of Mariner's History? Well, it, it was certainly not intentional. I had no idea that it was going to be saved. Uh, it was opening night. I was coming down to the ball game. I set two cassette recorders to record the game because I wanted to hear it. Uh, as well as be there. So I was there, and I got this certificate they gave out, first night certificate. I got home, and I listened back to the to the CD, not CDs, there were cassettes at that point, <laughs> listened to the cassettes, and uh, and then put them away, and never thought much more about it, because I figured KVI, which is sure. um, was the flagship at the time, had it taped. Uh, you fast forward about uh, a dozen years, and I was walking through the parking lot, going to a game and I ran into Dave Niehaus. I was working in the media then, but I was doing print media. I wasn't doing any sports stuff. I was a big fan of Dave Niehaus. Uh, I had moved up from Southern California and had listened to him with Don Drysdale and and, uh, uh, and the crew down at, uh, uh, I think it was uh, 710 in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I, I, I saw, I recognized Dave Niehaus, introduced myself, and I said, just offhandedly, I said, you know, I've got that very first broadcast. His eyes got big, <laughs> he stopped, and he said, nobody has that. They either forgot to record it, they erased it, or they lost it. We do not have that. And I couldn't believe it. And I said, well, I'll be glad to give you a copy of it. Oh, man. I said, I'll meet you here tomorrow. So I went home, and I found the cassettes, and I made a couple of copies, and I gave them to Dave. And uh, he said, well, what can I do for you? And I said, well, you know, I've got a son that's a big Griffey fan, and it was Griffey's first year. And he said, wait right here. And he ran into the clubhouse, and he got a picture, and he had it signed, Happy Birthday, Junior. And and uh, and, and so uh, th- there it was. Uh, I had no idea a radio station would lose or not record the very first broadcast. That blew my mind. No, it's remarkable. And all those years... Everyone thought it was gone, yeah, and here yeah, it is. Yeah, you come yeah, up with it. It's yeah. an amazing story. Well, I'm, I'm glad I had it. Uh, once I found it, I was able to uh, transfer it to uh, uh, to CD uh, and gave it to uh, uh, to uh, to Ken and to uh, uh, to, to Rick. Uh, you know, several years later, and I didn't think it was a big deal, but they were pretty excited about it. <laughs> no doubt. Well, so what was it like? Opening day, very first game for the Seattle Mariners history of the kingdom. Oh, it was great. I had only moved up here about a year before, and a big baseball fan was very, very excited that uh, uh, that I was going to be here. The place was packed, and the pageantry, and, and all of that, and uh, in, in the quote-unquote beautiful kingdom. Uh-huh. You know, you look at Safeco, and you think, how could you possibly <laughs> say beautiful kingdom? But, you know, at, at that point, it was, uh, it was a brand-new facility. It was a brand-new team. The energy was here in Seattle. And it was uh, uh, it, it, it was a lot of fun. What was it like listening to Dave Niehaus in those very first years too of the franchise? Oh boy, I tell you again, I go back to to uh, Enberg and Drysdale and and, um, and and Dave in Los Angeles and coming up here. He was the perfect guy to start this thing off. And and Ken Wilson was was a, it was a good team, both of them. Uh, you know, listening to them and and uh, and of course uh, Dave had a number of partners. Um, since then, including Ken Levine. And it was interesting with Ken Levine because I worked in, in radio in Southern California. I was working in Bakersfield. And I was doing uh, an evening rock and roll show. And on weekends, there was a guy who filled in for me by the name of Ken Stevens. Truck mm-hmm. Ken Stevens. Mm-hmm. Well, I never thought any more about that until I got up here and I was covering the Mariners. 
and uh, Ken Levine's book came out, which was called It's Gone, No, Wait a Minute. And it was about his travels in the minor leagues. So I opened this book, and in the first page, he says, when I first started in radio, working weekends in Bakersfield at KERN, I realized he was my <laughs> relief guy on the weekends. But it was Truck Ken Stevens. It was Truck Ken, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and so it was great. And so I went the next day, I went into the the, uh, the media lounge at, at the Kingdom and, and sat down and said, uh, Truck Ken Stevens. And he looked at me and he said, the real Neil Scott, because I was called the real Neil Scott on the radio then. So, I mean, the history of broadcasters in this area has been great. And the common denominator and the guy who has done it all and the, the, the legend is, of course, Dave Neos. Well, thanks so much for this. It is so fun to listen to, and it's great to hear the story. Thanks great. for the time. Thank you, Gary. I can't tell you how much I love that. I mean, I'm just I'm picturing him on the phone, calling his buddy at home. Yeah, make sure you record this thing, and that's how that's how we have this game. It's incredible. It sounds pretty I, good to consider. Well, I, I mean, I guess I haven't heard until now have the opportunity the the whole game through. But I mean, you have Gary. I mean, the fidelity, the audio quality is like pretty yeah. good, considering, right? Uh huh. Absolutely. Like, I'll say this: it of all the games we're playing during this run, it is not the worst audio quality we're playing. That's for sure. That's a compliment. No, it sounds, especially for 77, it sounds really good and really clean. Like on a home tape deck, which is off the radio. And I mean, I just, it's, it's, it's actually mind blowing that it came to this, but it's, it's good that it did because this is such a much more interesting story. It would be almost the first game in franchise history would lack such appeal. (laughs) If not for this, no. Can you, by the way, can you imagine what it must have felt like for Dave and Ken to to call that first game? Like what that day was like for them leading up to first pitch? Yeah. I mean, it must have been an absolute zoo. Oh, absolute zoo. I can't imagine. And I was thinking about this too as I'm listening to this game, and it's weird. It'd be weird calling a game for a team that has. Nothing. I mean, this is complete scratch, right? I mean, these guys, their first at bats, the first, I mean, everything's the first in team history, first error in team history, which actually said on the air, which I, uh, which I thought <laughs> really funny, but everything's the first. There's like, there's no last year. There's no, I mean, a lot of these guys played somewhere else before to reference, but that's the part that always struck me is like, everything is new, including the kingdom. Everything is new and fresh and it's just wild. It's just so it it's just surreal. It is. And to like just to it would be it'd be so strange to be on the call for that and take a moment and fast forward, say, 50 years. Right. And, and say to yourself, like, hey, in 50 years, which isn't seems like a lifetime from now, people are going to go back and listen to this game and be nostalgic about this game because it is pure history i mean it's the first of its kind obviously i just it it, you i would think it'd be so hard to have that type of um foresight when you are in the middle of the pandemonia that is opening day for an expansion team but obviously uh 50 years comes and it's it's pretty amazing that the mariners if you can really think about it for a second that the mariners had Dave for so long. I know. 
So long. So long, man. I mean, it could have been how easy could it have been for Dave to do like five years, 10 years, uh -huh. and then whatever happens, right? I mean, either a, a job offer that he likes more or life or something else. And nobody would have expected him to be there for that long, but to be that good, to be the original voice and to be here that long is, it's incredible. Yeah. It's very incredible. Yeah. I want to talk to, it reminds me, I want to talk to Ken Wilson at some point too about, about a number of things. But one of the things when I listen to back to that game, and I know you'll find this funny as well, is we've heard it a million times when Ken Wilson kind of opens things up right before the game and then tosses it to Dave for the first pitch. And what always strikes me is how close the first pitch comes right after Dave starts talking. <laughs> it really, they really didn't leave much margin for error there on the first pitch in franchise history, but I guess it all worked out. I would have been a little nervous, but they seemed fine. Well, what is rule number one on baseball on the radio? Don't miss the pitch. Don't miss the pitch. That's right. And they didn't, but you're right. That maybe was shaving it a little close, <laughs> a little close. Given the circumstances. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we have another subject today. Do you do you want to describe what, what we're asking people to do today? I mean, my interpretation, correct me if I'm wrong, this is like Oprah's favorite things. Yes, that's perfect. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. And it it can have a baseball bend to it. Mm -hmm. And it probably will. But it doesn't have to. I mean, you're you have like the most bizarre thing ever that has nothing to do with baseball. But but please, for those who are maybe joining the podcast for the first time during this time in our lives, and we are encouraging listeners to chime in. Yes. You can always email the podcast, correct? Absolutely. Marinerspod at mariners.com is how you do it. Now you can you can email just an email. Or if you want to take it a step further, since it is a podcast after all, crack open that memo, voice memo app on your phone and record however little or much as you want. And, you know, it doesn't have to be professional grade. Right. But we'd love to hear your voice and we'd love to play your audio on the podcast. Which is actually our preference. I mean, we will read your emails, of course, we but won't. we love the audio. We do love the audio. So uh, now... How many things will you be describing of your Oprah's favorite things? I don't know. A, a couple, two, three, I guess. Okay. Well, how many I, did I, you have in mind? Same, 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 okay. two, three. I mean, you have like this. I can't. What you, what you texted me is correct, right? You actually. Yeah. I, I'll save that one for last, though. Okay. It's, I don't find it that bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you lead us off? Okay. So, yeah, because we're, we're talking about our favorite things, and I, I don't know about you, but mine aren't, mine aren't like, valuable. Like, mine, if I put on eBay, no one would, no one would bid. But to me, they're priceless. That's the, that's the, the things for me that we're talking about. So Well, first, okay, that's where we're very different, because mine are obviously worth <laughs> large sums of money. That's not a surprise. That's not a surprise. So the first one that we're going to talk about is there's a picture, and it's actually hanging right above my head. Aaron can kind of see it in my, my video shot. Is there, I have this picture. I've had it for a number of years, and it's from the kingdom. There's a baseball that's hit to the left center field gap. 
And Ken Griffey Jr. is closing in on it. And the ball is in the shot coming down, kind of by the 375 marker. Henry Cotta, the left fielder, is kind of there too. I mean, it almost looks like they're on a complete collision course. They're both looking at the ball, and it looks like they're totally unaware of each other. But it's great. I love, love black and white baseball photography. It is like my favorite thing in the world. I just, I don't, it just, it speaks to me. I don't know how else to describe it. I just love black and white baseball photography. And that's what this is. This is Griffey. This is Cotto. This is in the kingdom. Now, where I got this is when the kingdom, before it was destroyed, there was a kingdom auction. So I went to the Kingdom Auction, and as it turned out, I don't think a lot of people knew that the Kingdom Auction was going on. Now, I was pretty young at this point, so I had no money, which is too bad, because I walked in, and there's like a dozen people walking around this thing, and you should have seen these things that were for sale. Everything. Dugouts. The big rug when you walked into the kingdom that said, welcome to the kingdom with like a picture of the kingdom on it. The foul poles, which at the kingdom weren't poles at all. They were kind of netting. They were hung to the top of the kingdom and came down to the, but those were being sold. I mean, anything you could, you could think about was being sold at this thing. And I didn't have a lot of money, but I saw this picture of Griffey and Cotto and I was like, that's it. That's what I can afford, and I love it. That is, that's what I'm taking from this thing. So I bought it, and I, it hangs in my office now, and I love to look at it. And remind, it's a combination of a lot of my favorite things. You know, it's baseball, it's black and white photography, it's the Mariners. I, I think the kingdom, the fact it was at the kingdom auction, I find hysterically funny. I mean, I wish I would have come away with more stuff, but, but that's my first favorite thing and kind of the backstory behind it. Well, it is such a regular item compared to those that you described being sold. I know that's the thing. Like <laughs> for uh, there's a couple of problems. One is I didn't have the money to buy the dugouts and I had no way to get the dugouts home. So there are a couple of issues. Otherwise Mariners <laughs> dugouts would be in like my backyard and I'd just be <laughs> hanging out in there. Cause that would be great. It's what funny is, it too is... to look back at how simple the kingdom dugouts were. I mean, first of all, they were like 10 inches from home plate with like, nothing in front of them the players just like walked out in the field and like watch out for a line drive but seriously man yeah just wooden kind of blue yeah that's a quality picture and the fact that you I, you I totally agree the fact that you bought it at the kingdom auction makes it even better yeah i love it <clears throat> well okay so the first thing the funny thing is that my first thing i'll describe is does not come from a ballpark auction but it is somewhat intertwined with Bush Stadium auction. Mm. So one of my favorite possessions that I will have for the rest of my life is a pair of old Bush Stadium seats. They are red. They are seats 16 and 17. Funny thing is, there are a number of funny things. One, I purchased the seats like immediately, like they went on sale on a Saturday at 10 a.m., right? And I'm on my computer at like 9.30, just like ready to pounce on these things. And I'm a senior in college, and it costs 500 bucks. Oh. And I've got, like, I've got like $516 to my name, 
right? And I'm like, well, perfect. Like, let's just blow it all. This is like, these things are going to sell in an hour. Like the whole stadium's worth of seats are going to sell in an hour. Like I got to be on the computer and ready. So it's exactly what I do. Man, I'm not kidding you. It took the Cardinals over a year to sell all the seats. What? Yes. Like the, I really St. think. Louis? I, I mean, I'm, I came at this from the scope of like uber fan college student yeah. with no financial burdens in life, right? Like just make sure I got gas in the car, that I've got fast food drive through money, and like that's about it, okay? And so – they say jump. I say how high. They say 500. I go, yeah, I barely have that. Sure. But for like the adults of the world, I think Cardinals fans were like really put off that the Cardinals would charge that much money. Mm. Like I, I really think it just rubbed people the wrong way. So I have these two seats and the things, there are a couple things about it. One, something that makes it more special than just two really old kind of semi grungy if you look underneath them seats is when the Cardinals sold them Bush stadium was built. It was a, basically a big cement ashtray that had gigantic concrete steps going all the way down. And the seats in the ballpark were bolted to the vertical portion of these enormous concrete steps. Okay. So like the seats weren't bolted down to the ground with legs. They were bolted mm-hmm. to the back part of the step, if I'm describing that at all clearly. So when they when you buy these seats, there's like there are no legs, right? Because like you'd have to bolt them to a wall. So the Cardinals thankfully provided everybody with these custom metal L brackets, like gigantic L brackets. Okay. And there's three of them. One for the left side, one for the right side, one for the middle. But the problem was you couldn't just bolt the seats to the L brackets and then put the L brackets on the ground like you could. But if you get two dudes sitting in the seats, it gets wobbly. The brackets on the ends could start to like peel out a little bit. I mean, it's just it's a start, but it's not a finish. So fortunately, my dad is incredibly handy, like incredibly handy. And so we built this. I'm looking at it right now. It's about a five-inch vertical platform, a five-inch platform that we then purchased gray carpet for to replicate the cement. And ah, got it. Like, like really, I mean, I'm taking no credit for this. He led point on this thing. Like really well carpeted this platform, put heavy duty casters underneath it. So you can wheel this thing around because it weighs between the seats and the platform. I mean, it weighs a ton and so you can wheel it everywhere. And it kind of has this like floating illusion to it because the casters aren't on the edges. They're like probably a few inches in on all four corners. So it kind of just looks like these seats are somewhat floating on this riser and it is super cool. There is not another pair of Old Bush Stadium seats like this one. And it's something that my wife has put up with and will put up with for the rest of our lives together. <laughs> they look great. I, I can see them in, the, in, in your they are, video. They are pretty cool, man. They're pretty cool. But I remember asking, calling Bush Stadium and asking if 
after I bought my seats, if they would tell me what seats I, I purchased so I could go sit in them and take a picture. And the woman on the phone just laughed me to death. Like, she's like, like, son, we have no idea what seats you bought. You just have seats. That would have been a great picture. That's too bad. Yeah. It would have been great. Yeah. That's good. That's a good one. So my second one is I I've talked about the influence that, uh, Dave Niehaus has had on me and my broadcasting career. This, this one is kind of two for my two, my two broadcasting influences, uh, especially early on Dave Niehaus, uh, and a, and a couple of years ago, uh, my wife for a present got me a Dave Niehaus HOF hall of fame autograph baseball, which I cherish. And of course, you know, I worked on the broadcast with him for a year, but you know, I didn't want, I wanted to, I played it cool. Right. I didn't want to, will you sign this? Will you sign this? I never, I never got anything signed from Dave. So I love that my wife did that. Uh, my other big influence. Do you have a, by the way, do you have a picture of you and Dave? No, I never did oh. that either. I know. I mean, you know, at the, it's like everything else. At the time, you just, you think it's yeah. No, I hear you. I'm man. gonna work with Dave for how many years? Like, right. You know, I'll get to know him well, and then I'll do that again down the road. And it was that off season that uh. he passed away. So I I don't have. I don't have any pictures. I don't have any autographs, and I just have the memories, which are great. But yeah, it's just another one of life lessons that you know you never you never know, right? You never know. Uh, so the uh, the other big influence when I was young, uh, Bob Blackburn was the voice of the Seattle SuperSonics uh, when I was small. The Sonics had won the championship in 1979, and they produced this record called Sonic Boom, and it was the highlights from that championship season. And it was narrated by Bob Blackburn. And so when I was small, I just remember playing this thing over and over and over, and, and I still have the record cover. It's just wrecked because this thing, this thing got played all the time. And it was just really influential. Like, I remember everything about it. And I remember Bob Blackburn's calls, and I remember the whole thing. So a few years later, I mailed him the the record cover. And, hey, Bob, big fan. Yeah, I wrote him a long letter, and thanks for everything. He signed it and mailed it back to me, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. So Like this tattered old cover. Yeah, so I have this... Uh, no, I, so I didn't send him the actual. I got another one and sent him one that actually looks decent. And I still have the tattered one as well, but I sent him one that looks good. And he signed that and sent it back. So I have, I have two. But uh, it, it meant so much to me when I was a kid. And to have Bob Blackburn sign that, and I look at it all the time, and it's so funny. So it was probably two years ago when we were moving, I was, I had the, the one that he signed, right. And there was a, there was actual record inside of it, but I never take it out. Like I never play records anymore. Right. And I never, after he signed it and sent it back, I had never opened, I'd never looked inside or anything like that. And I was just moving. I was like, what's this? And I pull it out. He had, he had put a headshot, an autographed headshot 
in the record player in the the record case that I had no idea was there that I just stumbled into like I don't know 15 years later 20 years later or whatever but that's a power that's a power move right there yeah you it was it was very funny it was very slide funny. in a headshot but it was just it's one of those things it means a ton just because of uh where it ended up and what it meant to me as a kid and the fact that he signed it and it, it he was so much fun to listen to so that's that, awesome. That's my number two. Yeah. I cheated. I listened. I listed two there, but no, that's all right. You know, I'm, I'll, I will uh, include ugh, this is heartbreaking. I've told you this story before when I was a, this is a story of something that I don't have, but in my mind, I still have it in my heart. I still have it. When I was early in high school, I was trying to get really involved in kind of the sports scene in St. Louis. Cause I was like, well, I'm going to live here for the rest of my life <laughs> and I want to work in sports one day. I don't know what, but I want to work in sports. And so I started volunteering for what's called the St. Louis sports commission. And they were based downtown and like, they're the group that would uh, petition to have the final four come to St. Louis okay. or whatever the next PGA tournament. Okay. And so they were hosting this celebrity golf tournament at this highfalutin St. Louis golf course. And like, I don't know anything about golf, but like all the big timers were going to be there. And I was trying to meet some people and just kind of learn some things. And so I volunteered at this celebrity celebrity golf tournament. And all I did was I stood at the, whatever the 12th hole. And I said hi to people and pointed them to where the pin is, you know, I'm like, I did nothing, but I was just in a St. Louis sports commission polo. And this somewhat elderly gentleman gets out of a golf cart and starts walking up to the tee box. And I mean, I'm, a, I'm just a kid, man. I, I'm a know nothing kid. And I was partnered with another volunteer who was, I don't know, like an adult and mature and new things. And he starts kind of elbowing me when this gentleman gets out of the golf cart with his driver and starts walking towards the tee box. And he goes, Aaron, Aaron you know who that is? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know who that is. And he goes, that's Buck O'Neill. Oh. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I mean, like, like I, I'm telling you, man, I know nothing. Yeah. Okay. I'm just this ignorant, like freshman in high school. And he's like, he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. He goes, you're, you're going to want your picture taken with Buck O'Neill. Like you don't know it now. You're going to want your picture taken. This is days before cell phone cameras, right? And so this kind soul of a man who I'm volunteering with asked Buck O'Neill if he would take a picture with me. And then this gentleman, this volunteer partner of mine, takes the photo of me. And, like I'm standing next to a legend that I don't – like I'm embarrassed to say this now, but I'm trying to remember that I was just an idiot. I'm standing next to this icon – Right. And I don't even know it. So this kind man takes a photo and Buck O'Neill is exactly what you think. Just happy, go lucky, mm -hmm. incredibly kind, genuine and humble. And like two weeks later, I get an envelope in the mail and this volunteer mails me a hard copy photo of me and Buck O'Neill that oh. he took at the golf tournament. And still I'm an idiot and i'm like okay great thanks like thank you for this like that's very nice of you 
I don't know the significance of it. And it's one of those things, man. This is like a total Debbie Downer. I'm going to admit that right now. I'm very sorry for people who are like, Aaron, this is not the point of the segment. But it's it's a life lesson that I don't know how I'm going to teach my kids or how you're teaching your kids. But it's like when you're too young to just know any better, just try to know better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I keep praying that, honestly, that one day I'm going to like open up some old book on a bookshelf in my house, right? And bloop, there it is. It's gonna float just like a little angel. <laughs> this photo, this four by six of me and Buck O'Neill, perfectly preserved between two pages. Because for the life of me, man, I'm just a dumb kid. Oh. I didn't keep track of it, and I have no idea where it is. And whenever we go to Kansas City, go to Negro League museums, or we see Buck O'Neill's seat there, it's just like. That just that just twists a little yeah. bit more, you know. Now oh. I met him. I met him. That's good. You know, if it wasn't for that day, I would have never come within 300 miles of Buck O'Neill, yeah. right? <sighs> this isn't the point of this thing. I know. But I'm like I'm telling you, like in my mind, that's one of my key possessions: is that 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 happened, yeah, and that I had like baseball's royalties arm wrapped around me for yeah. a photo. No, that's something. It'd be great to have the actual picture, but that's something too. <laughs> God, how do you tell young people that they're you're gonna hey, listen, you're gonna be an idiot. Like the tendency is for you to be an idiot right now. Don't do it. Well, it's not like, gonna know why for like twenty years. Yeah. It it sounded like the person that went as far as they could. They oh, told you, know, you you'd then, want it. They took the picture. They sent you the picture. Oh, they they did like, their part. The only thing they, if they would, the only thing else they could have done is open a safety deposit box <laughs> for me. Yeah. Okay. And 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 completely preserved it. That I mean, yeah. you're right. They if the cloud had existed, then they could have sent it there, and you would have been fine. But I don't know, man. I just I I feel like I, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Like people are judging me. That's cool, man. That's cool. I'm like, hey, I'm out there. You know, you met him, though. That's more than I've done. That's for sure. Man, that's incredible. But, like, but at least famous. I can always say I met Buck O'Neill, you know? Yeah. So, hey, will you will you please put some wind in our sails right now and pick us up a little bit? Oh, yeah. This one's going to be great. So this one is not baseball. This is, this is the most ridiculous thing I've it's ever It's not heard. ridiculous at all. So uh, I love history. And when we go on the road, it, it's it's not something out of the ordinary to, that I will go to a museum or go see a site or something like that when we're on the road, which it's one of the things I absolutely love about this job is we get to travel around some of the greatest cities in the world, and I get to see some of the sites and some of the history with, with all these places. So that is a little bit of a backdrop. And so... I have always been fascinated by the Civil War, and when I have, this is mostly when it comes up in basketball, but in basketball, for some reason, I was like in Virginia three years in a row, for example. And so when I'm in Virginia, I would go around and see battlefields and uh, Civil War battlefields and things like that. And I have always been obsessed with Appomattox Courthouse, which is basically where the Civil War ended. You know, it's where... Uh, Grant and Lee were there, and they met, and the whole thing. And Appomattox Courthouse, it it's a national park now, and it's it's there. It's still there. You can walk through it and see where they were when the Civil War essentially ended. And I, I just I'm, I've always been fascinated by the place. I, I always randomly 
talk about Appomattox Courthouse to my wife. Which <laughs> just, I don't know how she does it, but she does. So I talk about Appomattox Courthouse all the time. But anyway, uh, a couple of years ago, my wife got me a couple of musket balls from Appomattox Courthouse. There was a battle earlier in the war there. And so I have displayed in my office a couple of small musket balls. They almost look like, I mean, they're so old at this point. They almost look like little concrete balls from Appomattox Courthouse. Now, I, I don't want to, I mean, I'm the guy who doesn't even hold on to the most prized photo he's ever had. So who am I to say anything? But like, how do, you, how do we know that these are, how, how do we know that these are like the real deal? This isn't just from some construction site that somebody lifted off the side of the road. Oh. Her parents actually got me that gift. It wasn't my wife. It was her parents. Yeah. My question is, how can we authenticate? I have a certificate. Do you, really? Would you like me to show you? No, I, I, I believe you on your musket balls. I'll bring it to the ballpark sometime so you can oh, see Oh, you should it. do that. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, how do you display musket balls? So they're in kind of like a little frame, and it's kind of a plastic... Uh, not plastic. Uh, they're just in a little frame, kind of like in a the shadow box thing. Yeah, kind of. Just small though. It's very small because there's just a couple of them. All right. Do you think these have value? Like, nah, I don't know. They do to me, but like, sure. if I went to eBay and tried to sell Appomattox Courthouse musket balls, is there a market for that? Especially the counterfeit ones. I mean. I'm guessing that after we send this out and get responses from people, I will not be the only one with something Civil War-ish on display. I'll be very interested. To see. I, I think you might be. What? No. Let me tell you this. I don't know if I've ever talked to somebody else who has Civil War memorabilia. How many you, people do you know that has Civil War memorabilia? I guess not many. See, yeah, I mean, we all respect the efforts. I, know, I will but. say that I I love Appomattox Courthouse more than most. So can I tell you about See, my I, trip? My The other thing that I remember most about one of my trips to Virginia is I was going through some of these battlefields. So I'm driving. This was a long—I think the game was somewhere random, like far— and so I had to drive through, like, almost the whole state. And so I get pulled over, right, which is never good with a rental car. I mean, I'm like, I wasn't really speeding. I'm like, like what did I do? And a Virginia State Patrol officer comes to my window and says, your, your tab, there's tab stickers on the back or whatever. And he's like, your tabs are expired. I'm like. Well, it's a rental car. I mean, I don't don't really have control of that. So I kind of explained the situation, and he lets me go, which was great. Except I get pulled over again like an hour down the road. Hey, your tabs are expired. Yeah, dude, I got pulled over like four times on this, on my my Virginia trip, and for the same thing every time. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's like, if you're a rental car company, like, how do you not, like, how do you not keep your cars to date i mean this is bad so i wasn't thrilled when i got back i understand well okay i don't have i don't have any war memorabilia really um 
so I have a few other things, like kind of trinkety things. Okay, well, first of all, I, I feel like I'm not going to go into detail on this because we've spent a whole podcast on it. But my framed Bob Costas photos oh, of yeah. autographed books are the Eric. Yeah, like that's see. like your house is burning down. Grab something. Your and your family is safe. Okay, yeah, let's get that out of the way. <laughs> like family is safe. Okay, they're waiting on you, and you have 30 seconds. Like I'd probably. I'd probably grab that yeah. fairly quickly. Um, so I'll buzz through these other things quickly. Uh, as you know, Jackie Robinson Day, Dodger Stadium, a few years back, Vince Scully signed my scorebook, which is amazing. Yeah. So my Vince Scully, Jackie Robinson Day scorecard autograph <sighs> is like I'll never have – like I'll never – I'll never see Vince Scully again, right? Like that's the one and only time in my life I'll ever see Vince Scully, and it was on Jackie Robinson Day, and I interviewed him and got him to sign my scorebook, and he was, he was walking on water when he did it. That was the amazing thing. Yeah, I don't know how he did that. He's, he is what you think he is. He's incredible. So that was awesome. Um, when I was in between minor league seasons, so first of all, backstory: I'm a senior in college. I'm a history major. I have no idea exactly what I want to do with my life. There are two directions I think I want to go. I'm either going to go to broadcasting school because I just like woke up with this epiphany that maybe I could be a broadcaster or I'm going to go to culinary school because like I love food and I love to cook and that would be something that I would enjoy and might be good at. So I'm like applying for these two culinary schools. I'm looking into this broadcasting school in St. Louis next near my home. And I end up going to broadcasting school, but my jobs in between baseball seasons when I was early on and needing off-season income was I worked at various culinary hardware stores. Uh, like there was a – people might be familiar with a brand called Viking, which makes pretty high-end appliances for uh, residential use, ranges, Stovetops, cooktops, refrigerators, blah, blah, blah. And then they all, they sold all the other stuff, knives and spatulas and mixers and frying pans. So, like, I worked at a Viking store for a long time, and then I worked at a Sir Tob store. And when I worked at Sir Tob during one off-season, Bobby Flay came by for a book signing. he just come out with a cookbook, one of his, like, 800 cookbooks, <laughs> right? And so I am part of the staff that's helping to corral the masses that want Bobby Flay's autograph. That's pretty cool, right? Bobby Flay's there. Like he's a big deal. And so I buy, I spend like, even with my discount, I think I spent like 70 bucks on this thing. I bought an eight inch stainless steel, all clad frying pan, the Whoa. smallest frying pan that, that they make, but it's like perfect. It's beautiful, right? It's mm -hmm. stainless steel. looks great. And we all got some time with Bobby. Like he signed some autographs for us. And so in Sharpie on the inside of the frying pan, like where the eggs go, right? He wrote uh, to Aaron, the next Iron Chef, Bobby Flay. <laughs> Which I was like, now to be fair, like I, I told him what to write because I thought that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't care if I was going to script Bobby Flay because like nobody's going to ever know the, that I told him to write that right. except for right now. Um, but like he, he signs it and he hands it to me and I'm holding at retail like 
a $90 frying pan with a personalized autograph from Bobby Flay about Iron Chef. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I have no idea how this will be displayed going forward, but I'll never have anything quite like this again. I've never seen that. Yeah, so it's funny when when Heather and I got married and like we had our own place for the first time, I bought some magnets, some round magnets, like unfinished magnets, and I had it magnetized to our refrigerator, <laughs> like our little like Dallas apartment refrigerator. Like the frying pan on the, the fry- refrigerator? On the, oh, I was on the freezer. Like it was so cool, man. <laughs> But, you know, the problem is sometimes you slam the freezer and bark, like there it goes and it crashes on the floor. Yeah. So, like I to this day, I have not found if anybody has any suggestions on how to display an eight inch frying pan, like that'd be great. Um, but I haven't found the perfect way to display it yet. It is a little a little cumbersome, but it's have, pretty cool. I have a feeling there's more people that have memorabilia from when the confederacy <laughs> surrendered to the union there's probably more of that than from which makes mine more unique i would agree yeah. on all levels yeah that's probably right yeah so i have a bobby flay autograph fry pan that's great it's pretty awesome that's really cool yeah. i like that yeah. it'd be so, weird to hang it in my office right i mean the office is all baseball stuff i should probably like it needs to be in the kitchen but it takes a special kitchen layout to have yeah. proper space to display a lot pan. of display stuff in a kitchen well, you would if you had this, why don't you? Well, you don't, so just <laughs> not. Just, I need the right area, I mean, the right niche in the kitchen, but uh, maybe yeah, one day, maybe the next it. house. I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I haven't told many people about my autograph frying pan, but I'm glad that it's out there now. So given these stories that we just traded, I feel like, at least I'm hoping, that I think there's a good chance that People are going to have some pretty cool stories. You know, here's the here, – okay. The story – like we, we would love uh, order of operations here, right? Like we would love the audio email, the voice memo email. Yes. We would love the written. Yes. That would be like tier two. Can I tell you like tier three? If you just email us and say, I listened to the whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that yes. – I'm telling you, that might get you a shout out. On its own. Oh, yeah. Well, Aaron's big on shout-outs, so we will do that for sure. For (laughs) sure. There is no one bigger than Aaron for shout-outs. So, yeah, I can guarantee that. Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, when I'm thinking about the last two topics were Civil War musket balls and skillets, (laughs) I mean, if anybody's still with us, man, like, that, we really appreciate it. Should we have a code word so we know that they listen to this whole way? Yeah. Um, sure, code would be. We would have to combine. We'd have to com. We'd have to combine. It'd have to combine the two things, right? Can you edit out the time that we think about this? Yeah, sure. Ulysses fillet. <laughs> <laughs> it has, but but it has to be like one word, doesn't? It? Or can yeah, it be two it does. words? No, it does. You're gonna edit this out, right? No, I think this is great. I think people are really hanging on every word at this point. There's the, but there's somebody right now screaming at their speakers that they've got a great idea and we're not, and we don't. Well, maybe they can email that too. <laughs> <laughs> this emails anything. How desperate are we right now? Jeez. Um, 
Civil skillets. Oh, I like that. That works. Civil yeah. skillets. Hashtag. Yeah. Because if you're still with us, man. Golly. Yeah. yeah shout out we for pre- sure. <laughs> and if you want Aaron to, I don't know, a birthday wish to someone in your family yeah. while you're at it, yeah. Just, Boy, man. We'll do anything. Yeah. Civil skillets. Civil skillets. I think like usual, G Man, we um we covered some ground here. I'm I'm very happy about this one. I learned something. I never knew you're I didn't know you had musket balls, man. (laughs) (laughs) No idea. Also, I did not. I mean, I know you very well. I didn't know that you were as big into the Civil War. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I just love. It doesn't surprise me. It's not out of character. Yeah. I I didn't know. I just love it. It's like, it's why Kansas City is one of my favorite stops because of the World War One Museum, which is phenomenal. Baseball Negro League Museum, which is great. The Jazz Museum, Harry S. Truman. I mean, all these great places to go. Kansas stuff. Yeah. And Gates. May I help you? Gates after the game, which is great. It is fantastic. God, it's good. Miss that. Great ballpark, too, in Kansas City. Ballpark. Great ballpark. Are we just trying to go as far as we can to have all listeners? I think we should end the show. This was great, though. This was fun. It was very good. It was a great topic, G-Man. Yeah, this was good. Oprah's Favorite Things by Gary Hill. Yeah. Yeah, we stole it. But, you know, whatever. Hey, when you tweet out the link to the to listen, will um, you put the gif in of Oprah and like all the people like going ah, crazy? Yeah, that That would be great. And then, and then hashtag it civil skillets. Yeah, civil skillets. But then okay. we can't give away the password. Then that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, this is fun. We'll Man. do it again soon. Seeing you, dude. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.